the series that I'm doing in Ephesians is entitled Reinforcing Truth. Reinforcing Truth. That's why we're studying the book of Ephesians and many of the Pauline epistles, most of the New Testament is doctrine for the church that we will be studying. So right now I want to, want to get familiar with Ephesians. You should have a Bible. Phone is okay unless you are extremely familiar with the way you use your phone throughout the week. But the hard copy Bible in your hand, ability to take notes, ability to, to mark, to underline is important. Don't lose that. You can, on and off, you can use the phone, but don't lose the ability to go back, to be able to say, this is my Bible. You know, this is my Bible. It's very important. It's very, very important. So we started with uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Give me a chance to quickly find it here. And for those of you who didn't uh, join us last week, it will be on video. Is it on video yet? Yeah, it'll be up uh, on our YouTube channel very soon. Should be able to catch up on that. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you. Do you remember that explanation? Grace and peace to you. Grace to you and peace. The umbrella of God's grace is extended to everyone who walks in to the fellowship of God. Extended to you. The faith community lives by the grace that they themselves have benefited from. And we talked about a threefold ministry, the threefold work of the Trinity. God blesses believers because of the father's electing the son's dying and the spirit's sealing god blesses the believers because of the father's electing he has elected us he has chosen us and number two the son's dying and number three the spirit's sealing today we look at the spirit's sealing he, he adopted us and willed us to be holy and blameless in his sight we talked about how god has set uh, us in a destination to call us holy he has not called us sinners he has called us holy everybody else points fingers god puts out a hand Number two, we were predestined for sonship. God didn't just want to forgive our sin. He wanted us back in the family. So that's really what it's all about. Uh, we want our gospel message, and I'll talk about this later. We want our gospel, covenants, gospel message to be about covenant. About covenant, that God is calling you into a relationship. God is calling you into a relationship. Why should people come back to God? Why should people come back to God? And the gut reaction, because we've grown up with it, is because we need our sins forgiven. No, no. When my son runs away from me and rebels from me and he walks away, why should he come back to me? He should come back to me not because of the wrong he's done, but because I am his father and he belongs. That's it. That's covenant. That's covenant. We are calling people back into their own relationship with their own father. The sin is a side issue that needs to be dealt with, but it is not the main issue. The real issue is a broken relationship. And that's what we want to focus on as we spread proclaim project the love of God number three redeemed forgiven at the level of God's riches according to the riches grace that was lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding made known to us the mystery of his will that God in Christ was taking Jew and Gentile and he was bringing all us together and putting us in Christ and in Christ we would have everything we ever needed so he's not selecting you and you and you because you're good looking and you're holy and you're flawless doesn't matter what you're like, where you're like, what you're from. Once you come into Christ, you have everything. Outside of Christ, you have nothing. So God solved the dilemma of the diversity of humanity and morality by placing everything within Christ. It is his ultimate will before the foundations of the earth that in Christ he would accomplish all this so that Christ would be exalted because of the work he did for us. And he knew and has confidence that as Christ is exalted, Christ would exalt God the Father so that God may be all in all. That's the kind of confidence God had in his son, the Lord Jesus. Grace cover means relating to people through the Trinity. 
respecting others as the sons of God, releasing people from their sinful actions towards us and others, remembering God's ultimate plan, that it's God's plan for uh, Jesus to be ultimately all in all. So that's where we finished up last time. Now let's get into verse 11 to verse 14. Verse 11 to verse 14. Just a few verses, but pregnant, power-packed, full with God's wisdom and understanding. Allow me to read that for you. In him, in him, and that's the theme, that's the in him, uh, in Christo. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of, a of his glory. A couple of phrases you'll find being repeated in him, in him, in him. For him, for him, for him. For the praise of his glory, for the praise of his glorious grace, for the praise of his glory. According to his grace, according to his grace, according to his mercy. So who is it about? It's about him. It's not about us. It's about him. Beautiful verses. Verse 4. Even as he chose us in him from the foundations of the world. Even as he chose us in him from the verse 4. He has chosen us. That, that theme is there. So you pick it up in verse 11 again. In him we were also chosen. In him we were also chosen. Having been predestined. Let's break that up a little bit. In him God's total plan is founded and finalized in his son. In the person and work of his son Jesus Christ. All God's judgment and rewards. All his choosing and electing and selection and cleansing and gifting. Using and rewarding are in and through the Son. God has chosen not to act outside of his Son. He has chosen not to direct, not to deal directly with you or with me. He has chosen to deal directly through his Son. Are you with me? So God has dealt with humanity through his Son. Therefore Hebrews says, we have a mediator between God and man, the man Christ, Jesus. God is dealing with man, not directly, but through his Son. And we thank and thank and praise God for that because if He were to mark our transgressions, who would stand? You and I could not stand a chance standing before God on our own. We desperately need a mediator. The concept of a mediator is everywhere in every religion and every philosophy. And Jesus is the one that God has chosen to be the mediator. God chose the advocate. God chose the advocate. To, the judge chose the advocate to make sure you're okay. There is a mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So when we exalt the Lord Jesus Christ, we are exalting his role. We're not exalting him in comparison to other gods. We're not exalting him in comparison to other philosophies. We're exalting him for his role. He is the mediator between God and man. It's not about anybody else. It's about what he has accomplished and done. Chosen, chosen. Here in the choice, the use of the word chosen is not in terms of selection. It is in terms of we choose that, uh, that you be on the worship team. 
okay you're already in this church you're already in this church but i choose that you be on the worship team why because you already have some worship music skills you got you got that so the understanding is those who are in christ those in christ the choosing is that whoever's in christ should become like christ whoever's in christ should become sons of god whoever so the choosing is not to salvation if you are in christ you have been chosen destined is a better word destined to greatness destined to perfection destined to etc etc so whatever god's choosing we look here in christ isn't a salvation choosing you got that it is not a salvation choosing it is a destiny choosing so when we talk about whatever we have in christ it is our destiny so god has chosen this destiny for those who are in christ the choice to come into christ is yours the choice to come into christ is yours theologians and bible college students will argue even on that that even those who choose christ and not choose christ is ultimate some in some way destined by god my my position is that you choose christ and then god chooses you in christ god chooses everybody who's in christ but god chooses for a destination because it's not about you just getting saved it's about you coming back to god it's about you becoming like his son the lord jesus because that was his plan all along okay moving on predestined according to the plan predestined according to the plan <laughs> underline the plan underline the plan look at your bible and thank jesus that there was a plan that your name was part of that plan that you are not part of a random act you are not part of a random selection you are not a a a a, a victim of chance you're not the end product of a gamble there was a plan there was a plan you were predestined according to the plan and when was the plan made before the foundations of the earth that all who come into Christ would be for the praise of his glorious grace say it with me all who come into Christ would be for the praise of it so anybody who comes into Christ doesn't even need to ask the question god what is your will for my life they simply have to ask what the plan is what is the plan and i love that because it is countercultural counter philosophy counter ideology to the world you and i live in according to the world you and i live in you are a chance you are a random selection you you just happened there was no plan you didn't come from anywhere and god knows even god doesn't know where you're going everything in your life just happens not with those who are in christ god had a plan god has a plan for everybody but god has a plan even more clear and revealed to those who are in christ your life is not random your life is not reactive your life is not redundant you have a plan before the foundations of the earth before your mother and father could think of a name god called you by that name your name has been known for years it was just assigned to you on the day you were born and your mom and dad thought they made it up i find that fascinating that god called me jeremy dawson before the foundations of the earth and decided that that name would go into his book i just find that fascinating that means 
that means in order that in order that we should be to the praise we should be to the praise of his glorious we're not done with the exegesis yes i want to go back into the text here what does that mean if you reference verse 6 to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves his glorious grace when he talks about to the praise of his glory he has dropped the word grace but he has he's keeping with the theme are you with me are you with me now he's understanding that you, he thinks that you understand he's talking about his grace. So whenever you see glory without grace, he's continuing verse 4 and verse 6. He's saying to, the, to, the, to his glorious grace, what does that mean? What does that look like? That means we are to be more and more a display of the magnificent work of the grace of God. Ah, still, still too theoretical. Still too theoretical. Grace is God's unmerited favor grace is God's unmerited favor so God wanted listen very carefully God wanted everyone who is in Christ that their lives would showcase the undeserved favor of God God wants you and me to be on display not the judgment of God but the favor of God so when people look at you, your life, the way you live, the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you react, the way you worship, the way you relate to people, the way you prioritize, the way you plan, the way you trust, you are a display on a daily basis of how God has favored you. You are a show of God's favor, not a show of God's judgment. Guilt, judgment. Grace, favor. Forgiveness, favor. You are on display of how much God, so everything about me must show the grace of God. Just saying it is not going to cut it. Oh, by the grace of God, by the grace of God. How did you get into the, uh, to the university? How did you manage to get that job? Oh, by the grace of God, by the, no, 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 no. You didn't get a job by the grace of God. You're standing and breathing by the grace of God. God is not knocking you down when you're misappropriating his grace while you speak. That is also the grace of God. The way you deal with people in a gracious way shows that you have received much grace. When a person gives out a lot of money, what do you think about him? He has a lot of money. If a person gives out a lot of grace, what are you saying about him? He has a lot of grace. Your life must be on display of the favor of God. Look at that man. Look at that woman. The tremendous favor of God on him. It is in our, in our brokenness, in our vulnerability, in our openness, in our transparency that we show the grace of God. The world glorifies sin. God wants to glorify forgiveness. The world highlights your sin. God wants to highlight your forgiveness. Don't celebrate how much sin you have done. Celebrate how much God has forgiven. That's what is necessary. So God's favor, God's forgiveness, God's faithfulness, God's fatherhood. You're constantly putting that on display. God wants that whatever God is doing in your life, his investment, his intimacy, be the highlight of your life available for everyone to see. Unabashed, bold, audacious revelation of God's grace. Let me tell you what God is doing in my life. Let me tell you how God has provided. Let me tell you how God has strengthened me, straightened me, healed me. Constantly you're giving out testimony of the Favor that God has on your life. Show off. Boast in the cross. Show off the mighty favor of God. That that favor would draw people to him. 
that favor would draw people to him. I want to, you are, some of you are good scholars of the words. So I don't want to uh, shortchange you. I want you to note one thing because it is important to note that. Paul in his writing is also bringing together the mystery of the will of God, which is to take the Jews and the Gentiles together and make them one in Christ. We know that on a side issue. We know that. Okay, verse 11. In him, we were also chosen. We were also chosen. So when he says we, and he says also, he's talking about a we other than you. So in him, we were also chosen. And then verse, 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 um, Verse 13, verse 13, and you also were included. Okay, so if he just says you were included, we were included, we were chosen, you were chosen, it would just mean all of us together. But there is a we, we, and there's a you. Okay, so you want to make a difference over there. We also, you also. He's talking about we, uh, Jews, were the first to hope in Christ and God has given to us that. And you, Gentiles, have been brought into that. I have run out of time, so I'm just going to run by it, but I promise to come back to this because this is probably one of the most beautiful verses of scripture in the Bible, okay? Verse 13 and 14, and you also, and you also. So verse 11, he says, in him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan who works of him who works out everything in conformity to the purpose of his will. So God has a plan. God is a God who makes his plan work. God is a God who has the power to enable his plan and you are part of that plan number two he says verse three verse 13 you were also included in christ now he's talking to the gentiles he's saying you also got included in christ and i'll close with this and i'll pick it up next time again so we spend more time in it so when he's talking about the gentiles he's talking about you and me you were also included included in christ brought into the family that was the mystery of god's will in christ we didn't know it before now we know jesus is the wall that replaces every other dividing wall he comes between us to make us one i repeat he comes between us to make us one he replaces any other barrier cultural psychological financial racial he replaces any barrier he comes between us to make us one that is amazing. In him, in him, our differences are dissolved, neutralized, rendered redundant. Why is it important that Jesus stands between us? Because Jesus stand, stood between us and God. So God chose to deal with us through Jesus so that your sin doesn't feature in his relationship with you. Jesus takes care of it. God chooses for you to deal with your wife, your husband, your loved ones, your, your friends, your families and your enemies through Jesus. So that their sin doesn't feature in the relationship. He dissolves the differences. He comes between to make us one. He comes between to make us one. So how were you included and when were you included? How were you included when were you included? Answer those two questions and let's go home. When and how were you included? When you heard and believed the message of truth. When you heard and believed the verse 13 and 14. When you believed you were marked in him with the seal, the promised spirit, who is a deposit of the guaranteeing our inheritance. How and when were you included? Number one, when you heard and believed the message of truth. Number two, when you were marked, when you were marked with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So the moment you believed, you were given the Holy Spirit and you asked the question, for what was I given the Holy Spirit? There are two reasons, one of which is taught in this scripture. Two reasons are number one, as a seal, as a guarantee, as a deposit. Number two, to make you holy. So what the Holy Spirit does, it makes you 
holy. Okay, so we'll talk about that later. The first one is as a seal. So you go down to some uh, some shop or you get on the you know get online shopping and you make a deposit. You make a deposit. If you're taking a new house or you're taking a new home or you're buying a new house, you pay a down you pay. A down payment, a deposit. The Holy Spirit has been given one part of the Trinity. It depends how valuable the item is, right? Depending on how valuable the item is, you decide on. We're talking 33% of the Trinity has been given to you to remind you every day, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine, until Jesus comes. Until Jesus comes. The Holy Spirit has a lot more to do in your life, but primarily over here the teaching is he has been given to you as a deposit, as a deposit. Not for you to know, for, not for you to know, but for everybody else to know that you are his, that you are his. He was given to you as a guarantee, a down payment. He was given to you as an assurance of the inheritance, of your inheritance, of what's coming to you. Number three, he was given until the day of redemption for those for those who are God's possessions. You are professionals. Most of you are professionals. Tell me, what do these words ring with? What, what, what area of life do they make, do they, do they bring your attention to? The word guarantee, the word assurance, the word possession. Not very spiritual words, are they? They're not churchy words. They're not worshipy words. And worshipy is not even a word. Yeah. What words are these? Guarantee. Assurance, possession. Insurance. Ownership, proprietorship, buying, selling. Yeah, it's, in, it's from the marketplace. I have bought you. I have paid a down payment. And the down payment is a person. He's not going anywhere. I've paid you down payment. And you are mine. You are mine. So the spirit of God has been given to every believer and that's how you were included. You were included because you believed and heard the word of truth. Number two, because the spirit of God was given to you. He was given as a guarantee and assurance and a possession. He is our inheritance and our insurance, our assurance and our guarantee. Because you have the Holy Spirit, you can be sure that you are saved that God is with you, that his promises in Christ are yes and amen. Because you have the Holy Spirit, your words in worship are acceptable. Because you have the Holy Spirit, everything that is marked in heaven for you is guaranteed. You can be sure about that. You don't need to live with any fear of loss here in this world. I want to close by looking at a very beautiful passage of scripture. Would you open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20 to 22. No matter how many promises God has made. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20, 21, 22. No matter how many promises God has made. They are yes in Christ. And so through him, through Jesus, they are amen. We say amen. We speak amen to the glory of God. The promises of Christ are yes and amen in God. Verse 21, 22. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in, I'm so sorry, did I say 1 Corinthians? It's 2 Corinthians. I'm so sorry. I've delayed the end of this message. 2 Corinthians. I keep forgetting there's a second one over there. Found it? Okay. We're in verse 21. Now it is God who makes us both, sorry, now it is God who makes both us and you, Jews and 
Gentiles. To stand firm in Christ. God makes you stand firm in Christ. He anoints us, sets his seal of ownership on us and puts his spirit, capital S, in our hearts as a deposit. As a deposit, as a guarantee. Guaranteeing what is to come. I've taken another passage of scripture from another part of scripture saying the same thing which should give you more weight to the fact that this is the correct interpretation of scripture. This is true. 